0: It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at OwenElyMN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter. At Northstar M-I-N. Be sure to check out our website at northstarsports.media. And welcome to the show, everyone. We got a great one for you today here on this Monday, January 25th. As we look to recap, UFC 257 Poirier versus McGregor 2, which took place on Saturday, January 23rd at the Etihad Arena in Abu Dhabi, Dubai, UAE. And man, it's, it's great to be back with you guys. We got a lot to talk about. Uh, a very eventful pay-per-view number one of the uh, 2021 calendar year, and, uh, you know, a a very eventful week for the main card showdown in in many ways, Uh, you know, a lot of history in the making, uh, a lot of history occurring, and, you know, just a very busy week. I mean, we had eight events, excuse me, three events in eight days, and, uh, you know, listen, We got by with the skeleton crew on on the Wednesday card, but we had a lot of people returning. And listen, you know, I'll start off here with the main card showdown in in the housekeeping section like we always do. But, uh, man, we're, we're in a weird spot. I mean, the mailman, you know, he wins via split decision over Steve the Professor Young, handing him his first loss in the promotion. And, you know, it was a tightly contested, uh bout i mean we had a lot of the same picks you know steve is very good at making picks he does a lot of research probably the second most research um you know in the promotion outside of me and you know that's why i got the split decision win but you know it, it was tough man it was tough but you know a win's a win and uh you know the the, the mailman's out here just you know racking up these title defenses And you know, it it was also the end of the January World Grand Prix. I got the gold medal, my second gold medal. Uh, You know, Young got his first medal, which was a silver, and uh, uh, you know, we we had Captain Captain getting a a round five KO over the locomotive Drew Peterson, and uh, he got his first medal as well, a bronze medal and uh you know that was a shocker that was a shocker and captain won 50 47 so that means captain did not lose a single round did not even lose a single round um didn't win every round obviously but when you score a 50 that means you you fucking had a perfect score so that was a bit surprising you know captain was the the hot prospect and uh you know i I knocked him out 59 52 uh you know on wednesday and you know he comes in here and you know, I, I, I don't know what it was with uh, the locomotive, you know, if it was just uh, he was overlooking his opponent or, uh, you know, maybe maybe cardio was an issue, uh, you know, because he tapered off in, in the co-main and, and main event, um, you know, rounds. I don't know, you know, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a rough stretch for uh, the locomotive, which I can sympathize with because I had a pretty rough stretch myself. Uh, but now I'm on a historic streak, which we'll get to. But uh, you know what I mean? I don't know where he goes from here. Uh, We also had Pip knocking out, uh, who was it, Francis. Hands him his first-ever loss, wins 50-47. He wins the first-ever main card showdown inaugural, or excuse me, the inaugural main card showdown Invitational Grand Prix. Fucking these long-ass names, man. I mean, I know I'm the one that came up with them, but I don't know, man. A little long. Uh, We also had uh, uh, The Panda. Knocking out Patrick Peterson, so we had three KOs on this card. Uh, we had three KOs on the Wednesday card, which uh, that's very rare. I mean, I know we have a bunch of people doing it, but I mean, typically we only see like one or two KOs a fight. Sometimes you don't even see a KO in an event. um We had wiegert beating Vogel. I mean, Vogel has really fallen off. You know what I mean? Uh, he lost fifty forty nine. Uh, so it, it, you know, it was uh, it was a decision, but that that shocked me. That shocked me. You know, he he lost back on January 16th to the mailman. He lost a split decision. You know, got a little mad because you know he he forgot to get his picks in his his prelim picks. I mean, everybody knows the main card showdown rules. You know what I mean? If you want, if, if it goes to a tie, you got to have your picks in there. Otherwise, you know, if your opponent submits picks and gets at least one of them correct. Which is what it states on the website, uh, the the rule books that me and the locomotive have agreed to a long time ago. Uh, you know, then then your opponent wins. So, you know, he sat out on Wednesday. I don't really know why. Maybe he was busy. Maybe he was protesting. And you know, he got uh, a loss there to a, a newcomer. But you know, listen, clout. Like I say, clout cannot be destroyed. It can be transferred, and that clout is kind of tr- well. I mean transferred to me you know I got all the clout because I beat him and you know I beat everybody but you know now Weigert Weigert's 2-0 and what do we do with him you know he might only be one more win from getting a title shot you know what I mean that's impressive how about Abel Abel's 2-0 and now she might be like two or three wins away from a title shot because you know she's not beating quality opponents I mean I think she beat Pooh, uh no she beat Magnuson and then she beat Pooh. Uh, you know, who's a fucking squirrel? So, you you know what I mean. A win's a win, but it was against a squirrel. And Hooverman, Hooverman was actually—I don't know if people caught on to this—but he was actually the prelim opener. He was actually the prelim opener, and he sat out on Wednesday, came back, and he beat B Todd. You know, and and we know we know B Todd. You know what I mean? He's one of those money line pickers. So you know he's a real tough guy, and Reagan typically is a money line picker, but he he made his picks randomly, and and if you saw his picks, you would know that he made those picks randomly because he was picking, you know, Mahmoud Muradov by fucking submission when I don't think the guy's had a submission in his entire fucking thirty fight career. So it was truly random, and he did beat him. So you know now we're we're in a really weird spot here. You know the mailman tweeted out earlier. You know we we need someone to emerge as a contender. Because everybody who could have got a title shot lost. So Young lost to me. So um, he's not going to get a title shot. He's not going to get an immediate rematch. So Young's not going to fight for the title next week. If Drew would have got, got the, the bronze medal over Captain, he would have got a title shot, but he lost. So we can't give Drew a shot at the title because you don't really get shots at the title off of losses. Uh, if, if Francis would have won maybe we would have given him a title shot because, uh, you know, he he would have won the Invitational Grand Prix, but he lost that one. Now, Pip won it. Pip might get a title shot, but Pip lost. Oh, look, let's see here. He lost to Captain two events ago, and then he's on a two-fight winning streak now, but it's against Patrick Peterson, who is 0-3, so, you know, that's not going to get you a whole lot. And uh, you know, a win over Francis. It's just you know, it's an okay win, but I, I still think Pip is probably one more win away from from a title. But maybe he gets a title shot. Who knows? We'll see. Uh Kelsa got a win, but he was riding like a three fight losing streak, so you know what I mean? And and he was in the, the third place bracket in the invitational. Abel's two and you got to beat an actual person. You can't just beat a fucking squirrel. Weigert, yeah, he beat Jordan, but he's two and zero, so he's not gonna get one. Reagan, Reagan might get a title shot, but honestly, I'm, I'm just probably leaning towards Captain getting a, a title shot. Uh, I know he had one at NSS twenty four, or no, fucking NSS twenty five, but he won the bronze medal. Typically, we do the gold versus the bronze, and everybody, everybody is on a fucking losing streak except for for him he's well obviously he lost to me but he's won four of his last five he got the bronze and like (laughs) there were like three people who if they just would have won they would have been right there in the title conversation I mean you look at the guys I don't know what I don't know what the NSS insider rankings are but I'm pretty sure if you look at anybody who's in like the top seven in those rankings all of them lost except for captain so it's like eh, we're in a gross spot You know what I mean? Which is why the mailman says we need to have people step up here. You know what I mean? We need, we need, I am challenging. I am challenging the locomotive uh, to go out there and, uh, you know, just flatline an opponent. I need a third round KO from, from the locomotive and I'll give him a title shot. You know what I mean? I I need a third round KO from Vogel. I need, I need a, a, you know, a super quick KO from, from Steve Young. I need, I need Reagan Hooverman to go out there and knock somebody out you know we're just somebody's got to step up man it's you know i'm john jones sitting here at the top you know what i mean and there's i'm looking down at anthony smith you know what i mean Uh, there's just not a whole lot there for me so you know we'll see we'll see with my luck i'll lose to fucking captain or reagan because you know fucking i think i'm like two and three against him so you know who knows but uh i really think we need some people to step up here With that being said, I do have a list of targeted matchups, which I tweeted out earlier. These are the matchups that I'm I'm targeting. They're not finalized by any stretch of the imagination, but what I'm leaning towards on this Monday is, like I said, me versus Captain uh, in, in the title fight. I'm I'm thinking Peterson versus Kelsa. I'm I'm thinking Young versus Pip. And I'm honestly the winner of that one probably gets a title shot. You know, if they can do it in impressive fashion or maybe not even in that impressive a fashion because you know if you just get a win, you're probably there. So I like that one. i'm not I'm not willing to say that would be a number one contender's bout, but it probably would be. Uh, I'm thinking Hooverman versus Abel, you know we need to get Abel uh, you know, she has to face somebody who's res- respected a former champ. Uh, you know, and, and hooverman, if he if he wants to get back to the title, he's got to beat these young prospects. I'm thinking Wiegert versus Jerry. Uh, now, Jerry was not on the main card showdown on Saturday. He was, he was there on Wednesday where he got a, a knockout. I'm thinking Francis versus Patrick Peterson. I'm thinking Vogel versus B-Todd. I'm thinking Granpoo versus Magnuson, And Ireland versus Schaller, although I don't know if Corey's doing it and, you know, who knows, maybe we'll get Schaller, but... That's kind of what I'm thinking here Um, Yeah, I don't know man, I I just I just need someone to win that's 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 pretty much it Uh, We also updated the uh, the record book, so I uh, added a couple of categories uh, To the record book, I don't know why I didn't have this but I added most losses uh, that would be 14 to the locomotive Uh, Let's see here I added the longest unbeaten streak Which the mailman currently has With five I have not lost in five Main card showdowns I added the longest losing streak Which is four Which I have during that fucking terrible stretch Before my awesome stretch Um, The the longest Non-winning streak Which I also have I, I have every good and bad record In this fucking organization Which you know longest not winning streak was five um let's see most appearances before winning their first about and that is four and that's a tie between drew and captain uh the fastest knockout uh which was a round two knockout by uh no degree jordan vogel and then the longest knockout streak which i have and it is—it's just two. It's just two. But knockouts are pretty fucking hard to get because a lot of the times, if you try for them, then you know you get knocked out. So you know they're pretty fucking hard to hard to string together. <laughs> which is why uh, if somebody gets three consecutive knockouts, I'd be really fucking surprised. I honestly, of all, well, a lot of those records are never going to be beaten for a long time. But I think that might be low key one of the hardest records to beat is to to get three knockouts in a row because that's just so hard, man. Because if you start getting knockouts you're going to be facing better opponents. And uh, that's just, I don't know. That's tough. That's tough. Um, I think that was all I had for the main card showdown. Um, man, I feel like there's some... Oh, that that was it. So like I said, hi, we have history in the making. And that would be Grand Poo and Patrick Peterson. So they are both 0-3. If either of them lose their next fight, they will set the record for the most consecutive losses um in main card showdown history. Actually, shit, no, they would tie it. They would tie it. Um, but the, they they're on quite a streak. So, you know, Patrick Peterson, his picks are not terrible. So it's a little surprising he's 0 3, but uh, you know, he's he's gotta he's gotta figure it out, man. And shit, what what was I saying? We're putting him up against f- Francis which is I don't know that's tough. That's tough. Francis did have a KO in his first fight. So um yeah, that'll that'll be interesting. Say so uh take a sip of my uh coffee there. Yeah, but without that uh without that, Jesus. I need more coffee. But uh yeah, without further ado, we'll get right into this uh, recap here of UFC 257 uh, Poirier versus McGregor too. As I will pull up the rankings and let me tell you, I mean, there were a lot of changes in the rankings. Like we had to completely retool several divisions, and I'm sure you can guess which ones we had to retool because of the you know the main event and co-main event. But uh, I, I think it might be a record for the most amount of changes to our ranking that we've had. Um, yeah, but we'll we'll start here in in the main event. Dustin Poirier knocks out Conor McGregor in round number two. I got to say, you know, I said on the preview show, I can't really see how Poirier wins. And fuck me, he, he, you know, not only did he win, but he knocked him out, he finished him. And uh, that that's impressive on so many levels. Um, I, I you know, I guess we'll start, we'll, we'll start with what happened during the actual fight, but then there's so much to talk about outside of the octagon, but uh, you know, I, w- I was very impressed by Poirier. Obviously those leg kicks were, were a problem for McGregor. I don't think he checked a single fucking one, which is is, is wild. I think he landed like eighteen of twenty one leg kicks and uh you know, that's that's the MMA equivalent of the uh, RPO. I mean, that's just the hot new thing we've seen the last twelve to eighteen months. Uh, you know, those low calf kicks, I mean it's it's actually pretty surprising he took 18 of them uh because a lot of them were, were were pretty solid he was not just tapping them with with those kicks um I mean really there's nothing down there it's bone it's some nerves not a lot of meat not a lot of fat and uh they're they're just debilitating man and that's the thing I noticed you know he, he took away his wheels and I think that's what allowed him to uh to to box him up. He he went low for the first round and and a good portion of the second round and then, you know, cuz that if you look at the finishing sequence, so Connor oh, how does it how does it, I don't know. I don't know if he started off with his back to the cage, but gets hit with a leg kick and is and then, you know, Poirier circles out and now McGregor's sitting there with a busted leg with his back to the cage and then Poirier just comes in and swarms him up high and he doesn't have the wheels to move. And that's one of the things, and it's easy for me to say, you know, armchair fucking quarterbacking, but that's the one thing I don't understand about MMA, why why more fighters don't do this, is just fucking run away. Like, I, you know what I mean? I understand you look like a pussy, but, like, when I see Overeem, like, Overeem is so... Dude, Overeem's such a veteran, and he's so fucking smart. Like, he'll just turtle up and just, okay, hit me with whatever you got. It's not going to land. He's got a pretty good fucking shell. Uh, you know, let him tire himself out. Uh, Overeem will just run away. Like, why not? Why sit there and, and get hit if you know you're going to get hit? Like, just, literally just run away. Uh, and uh, I don't know why Connor didn't do that. I think he could have. But And obviously his leg is busted up, but he definitely could move. But he just became a, a little bit of a stationary target. And then Poirier came in, tagged him a couple of times to the head. Um, I think it was listed at, I saw one website. It, it might have even been the UFC Twitter account like the you know how they have like the official results or like the UFC news like official results I feel like I saw somewhere that it was a KO it was definitely not a fucking KO if that was a KO we have a we have a wild definition of a knockout it was certainly a TKO um but fuck me I mean that was that was brilliant Connor just he didn't really he didn't really look himself and uh you know Poirier got that takedown in in the first round clearly Connor was not expecting that I think that was really really smart of Poirier just to get him thinking you know he didn't really do anything with the takedown but you know I I I thought Poirier's game plan was really good and you know you look at this guy's body of work and Jesus I you know I, I saw people saying like obviously Khabib is the greatest lightweight of all time there's literally no way to dispute that but um you know, I saw a lot, a lot of people saying that uh, that Dustin Poirier is the is the second best lightweight of all time, and honestly, I, I have a hard time disagreeing. I think he is. I think he's the the second best lightweight of all time, and that's crazy to say because he's never held uh, the the undisputed belt. But when you look at his resume, dude, it's so fucking good. Like, I, honestly, I think belts are a little bit overrated, and if so like if if we know there's a division where because there's so much politics in the ufc and there's so much fucking nonsense and you know hey maybe the best fighter in the division gets injured and now he's gone so we we, we know that guy's the best like dominic cruz when he had to you know leave because of injuries we know dominic cruz was the fucking best wel- uh, welterweight the best bantamweight during the years he was gone he just wasn't able to fight so you know what I mean. So you if, you could look at Henan Barrow and look at how good he was, but you know for a fucking fact he was the number two bantamweight, you know, in, in the UFC. There was no fucking way he was better than Dom Cruz. But but you know, so you know, my point being, there's weird shit that goes on the the, the UFC and and the rankings and matchmaking are so circumstantial and, and and so based on context and you know there's a million different amorphous variables uh, with it. So. You know, and I'm not saying this is the case with the lightweight division because obviously Khabib is the best and he has the belt. But I'm just saying, if if we know, if we as the fans know that the number three lightweight or, or whatever the number three lightweight has the belt, and he's going to take on the number six lightweight, uh, like why why does that matter? Like we know that there are better fighters. You know what I mean? Like if, if Michael Chiesa, and no fucking disrespect to anybody that I'm naming, but I'm just saying, if Michael Chiesa was the welterweight champ, we know he's not the best welterweight in the planet. You know what I mean? And if Michael Chiesa is defending his belt against Neil Magny, like, then who cares? You know what I mean? Like, we know there are better better welterweights. So it's like, yeah, I I get Poirier didn't have the the undisputed belt. Kind of, you know, lived during the time where Khabib was fucking dominating but uh you know beat Conor McGregor knocked him out nobody's ever done that that's actually the most impressive part is Conor's never been knocked out and I'll get to that in a minute war with Dan Hooker beat Max Holloway twice really once in his prime you know knocked out Eddie Alvarez champ knocked out Justin Gaethje you know mythical legend and interim champ uh knocked out Anthony Pettis uh you know beat Jim Miller who I think is top three all time in wins first round KO of Yancy Maderos first round KO of Diego Fajeda first round uh, KO of Diego Brandau, a second round KO of Akira Khorasani uh you know so this guy just has he finishes fights very early in round number one in the UFC and he does have some losses but he's one of those guys where he builds himself all the way up to a super big moment and then loses you know what I mean Uh, builds himself up to a main event with the Korean zombie and gets choked out. Uh, builds himself up to a main event with Cub Swanson, uh, loses a decision, builds himself up to, I think the co-main event of UFC 178 with Conor McGregor, McGregor, uh, gets knocked out, uh, goes on a four fight winning streak, gets knocked out by Michael Johnson, uh, you know, works his way up to Khabib, loses. But, you know, he's one of those guys who, along the way, like, he's something crazy, like 19 and 5 in the UFC, which is fucking insane. So I really do think he's the number two lightweight of all time. And, like I said, it's so impressive because he knocked McGregor out. And, you know, we've seen Conor McGregor lose. It's not that big of a deal. Um, it's very impressive when you're a John Jones and when you're a Khabib and you never lose. But, you know, no big deal. We've seen Conor get choked up by Nate Diaz. You can make a million excuses why that happened, and a lot of them are legit. You know, it was he wasn't training to fight Nate Diaz and then, you know, was up at welterweight and, you know, all this stuff. Conor is most definitely not a welterweight and, you know, got choked up by Khabib. Okay, greatest to ever do it. Uh, you know, he has two losses on the regional scene, one to that Artem Sitnikov or whatever the fuck his name is, and then one to, um, who's, what's, uh, Iris Joe Duffy. And, uh, okay, so he's lost four times before. It's not the big of a deal. But to get knocked out, that's really, that takes away the aura of Conor McGregor. Now, that doesn't mean he's not still a great fighter and that he didn't do great things and that he won't do great things in the future. All of those are true and or possible at this moment. But the aura of Conor McGregor's gone. You could you could submit Conor. That's happened. Uh, we've never really seen him lose a decision. I don't know if he lost a decision to Joe Duffy or or that uh, Sitnikov guy or whatever. But but really, I'm just looking at his UFC time. I don't really give a shit about anybody's regionals for for that matter. But like. We've never seen Connor lose a decision and we've never seen him get knocked out. Like, Connor's known as the best striker. Anytime he enters the octagon against anybody, he's is always the superior striker. And that might even be true against Poirier, but Poirier, uh, you know, had, had the higher IQ and had the better game plan and and stuck to it and, you know, finished him. So that's, that's crazy, man. I was kind of having that thought as they were doing the um, introductions. I was thinking, like, man what would the reaction be like if connor got knocked out you know because again like i started to think about it like i don't know we've seen him lose but to get knocked out that's fucking weird man and i don't know how he rebounds uh i have no doubt that he that he will if he wants to but i don't know if he comes back and fights again i think he i think he will i think he'll probably come back and fight again but i don't know that for a fact um so i'll, I'll be very curious to, to see what happens Ah, that's some good coffee as I fucking clank it into the fucking microphone. Um, but yeah, for Poirier, uh, I don't, I don't think Khabib is coming back. I think that's incredibly obvious from his statements and his actions. I think Khabib is not coming back. I don't think, uh, I don't think he's interested in a rematch with Poirier. I can't really blame him. He's beaten him once. I think he would fuck, I think, I think he would beat him even quicker the next time. I just think Khabib is unbeatable. Um, so I don't think he's coming back. So for what, what's next for Poirier is uh, he, he's 50% of the title equation. Whatever happens with that undisputed lightweight belt, Poirier has to be the A side of it. Um, I don't know who that would be against. Definitely would not be against Connor. Um, I really like the idea of him taking on Chandler. Now, he was really bullish about that idea. Uh, number one, you don't really get a choice if that's what the UFC says then you can either accept the title fight or, or not accept it, and he wants the undisputed t- title, so he would accept it. Uh, I think that makes sense, and, and, and we'll get to Iron Mike in a minute, uh, w- which will kind of clarify, you know, what's next for, for Poirier. And for McGregor, um, you know, a lot of people mentioned the Nate Diaz trilogy. I have no interest in that. I think Nate's a bum. Nate, Nate is a Twitter warrior. I, he's a 500 fighter. He would get absolutely smashed by McGregor I don't need to see that um, I don't need to see a trilogy with Poirier either I think Poirier should move on to, to bigger and better things uh, now in, in the in the future I, I think I'd like to see that but I, I have no need for an immediate rematch there um, you know I saw some people saying like oh we should take on Tony Ferguson yeah maybe that, w- that, that would make some sense I, I wouldn't exactly be opposed to it uh, I don't think he'll fight Gaethje. I think Gaethje's a terrible fucking matchup for him. I don't think he would fight Chandler because I think they have other plans for Chandler. A lot of people, a lot of people when the fight was over, they said, uh, well, hey, how about he takes on Dan Hooker? I like that idea. I like that idea. Uh, you know, Dan Hooker is a dangerous fighter. Obviously, Connor would be favored. Obviously, Connor is the, uh, the the better striker. And uh, I don't think Hooker would have any interest in taking him down. I think it would be a kickboxing match. Uh, so that, you know, that would make sense. I would like that. I don't think Dan Hooker is the, a big enough name. Not that you have to be a big enough name because McGregor's always going to carry the A side. But, uh, you know, not, not the biggest name you could choose. But I think rankings-wise, that's correct. But I'll tell you what, I've heard nobody mention this fight. And I would love to see it. I think it would make so much sense for Conor McGregor. I want to see him take on number eight, Rafael Dos Anos. I think that makes so much fucking sense. That would be perfect. Um, you know, RDA is is uh, is a tough fighter. He's a hard-nosed fighter. Um, I think Connor would be pretty heavily favored, but it would not be a cakewalk. It would not be a, uh, you know, a, a, a Cowboy Cerrone fight. You know, just a complete cakewalk, borderline fix. Some might say, I would never say that fight was a fix, but you know, some people might say that was a fixed fight, and it certainly looked a little interesting, but I would never say that, but you know what I mean? This is what what people tell me. So they tell me. So, you know, it would be a tough fight. It would be against a former champion, so it would be, you know, another respectable name to add to McGregor's mantelpiece if he won. And it was a fight that should have happened back in 2015 when RDA was the champ. Originally, uh, it was supposed to be McGregor taking on RDA. And, uh, you know, the, the the fight fell through and that's when he fought uh, Nate Diaz. So um, I, I, think that, I think that makes a lot of sense. And he's sitting there at number eight. So it's not like you're having him take on the number 15 guy in the division. It's still a top 10 opponent. And it's uh, I, I would never disrespect RDA by saying, by saying that's a softball, you know, just lob for McGregor. But you know you'd you'd be lying if you said you know that that wasn't a fight they would look to get McGregor on track with, and and not give the illusion that it's boxing where you know well or or Bellator where hey let's just find a fucking taxi cab driver and have him fight Conor McGregor like like uh, Bellator does with uh, Michael Venom Page, so I, I love that a lot. Uh, moving on here to the co-main event, arguably. The most interesting result of the night michael chandler makes his ufc debut knocks out dan hooker michael chandler's gonna be a fucking problem and i i picked him to win this fight uh i I, i've said he's different even back when he was in bellator I've, i've said he was different you know people accuse me of shitting on bellator a lot and that actually might be fair i i think bellator is uh in no way a competitor to the ufc but i will say bellator has like seven fighters that legitimately could be good top third of, you know, divisions ranking fighters. And I think Michael Chandler probably was the best fighter over in Bellator. So, you know, he came in and I I didn't see that happening. I I, I really didn't. And I know that, that Chandler has one punch KO power. We saw it against Sydney Outlaw, not a very high level example, but we saw that against uh, Patricky Pitbull when he knocked him out for the belt. Uh, you, you know what I mean? So that's that's a, uh, a respectable opponent. And, uh, you know, so I don't know, man. I, I love Michael Chandler. I, I like throwing him in there against Dan Hooker. That was a real test. A lot of people thought Hooker was going to win that. And, uh, you know, now we have Michael Chandler sitting in the top five. You you could put him in a title. You could. Uh, he's probably legitimately one win away, but I think you could put him in a title fight. That is the move I would do. I would put Poirier against Chandler. Listen, there's no there's no reason to establish Michael Chandler. He's already established, okay? He got a knockout on probably what's going to be the biggest pay-per-view of the year because it was a Conor McGregor pay-per-view. You know, everybody knows who Michael Chandler is, okay? The the hardcores know him from Bellator, they know how good he is. He's he's plenty storied. He's 34. He's not getting any younger. He's in his prime. Let's not waste any more time. Let's not Wait until he's 35 or, or you know damn near 36 to get him the belt. Let's just put him in there and see if he see if he is who he says he is. If you know either he flames out, maybe he gets fucking starched by poirier or maybe he beats him. But I I think we got to find out. And uh, you know it's not like he's a 23 year old where it's like okay well we have some time. Let's kind of build him. No 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 he's plenty built. He's plenty built. He's not gonna get any more built until you put him in a title fight. And. Uh, I love fighters like this it's, a, it's the reason why I loved fellow Mizzou because Chandler is a Mizzou guy which you know also is why I like him but also like he's like a Tyron Woodley in a sense Not he's like Tyron Woodley the chosen one not Tyron Woodley the frozen one so he's like the good Tyron Woodley where um, he's got that elite wrestling background and he's he's got pretty good striking and just a steam fucking piston for a right hand uh, and I just love that prototypical build for fighters. I love that prototype for fighters, you know, because wrestling is is the most important base. And if you can hold your own or, or more than hold your own when you're talking about fucking trying to compete for a title, you know, so. So good striking and then just fucking A-level power. I just love that. I think that's a recipe for success. So. You know, I, I think that would be a very interesting matchup for Poirier. I I would be rooting for Chandler. I got to be honest, I, I would say Poirier would win that fight, but I, I would say that don't don't sleep on that matchup. I think that fight would be a lot closer than people would think. Um, but, yeah, Chandler just, he, he, was, he was patient. I mean, he's just a complete fucking vet, man. He was patient in that fight. Uh, he was very springy, you know, he knew it was a three-round fight, he's not really used to fighting three-round fights, you know, because he's such a high-level championship fighter, um, and yeah, that was that was impressive, and for, for Dan Hooker, I mean, fucking sucks, man, you know what I mean, you, you hear that thing where he's, he can't go back to New Zealand until like February 22nd, so he's gonna be away from his kids and shit, and you gotta respect the hustle, and he seems like a good guy, and... You know that's an unfortunate situation for uh, old Danny Boy, but uh, yeah, that's that's tough, man. And uh, you know he's only thirty. I did hear that he took off his gloves in the octagon, so you know he might be fucking retired. You know for all I know, but uh, uh, I hope he's not retired. I think he has plenty more to offer. You know he's for a lot of his career he was just in the wrong fucking division, man. He he was there's that's insane that he was a 145 pounder. I mean he's a true 155er. He's not a fluke. You know he managed to climb this this division to a to a good degree you know when it was at its you know most stacked so you know it's not over for hooker uh and and the one thing i will say about chandler too so you talk about how impressive poirier's tko of mcgregor is well how impressive is chandler's knockout of dan hooker if dustin poirier went to a five round decision with him now it was fight of the night but that that's crazy right so I think that's the argument for Por- against Poirier when he's like, well Chandler's too green. He needs more wins. First of all, no he doesn't. And second of all, you you had a tough time with Dan Hooker. Now Poirier definitely won the fight, but it was real fucking close. You took a lot of damage. You you went in there and brawled with him, and, and Chandler just finished him in, in half a round. So it's like, well okay. Now that's no that's an interesting talking point. I don't think that means Michael Chandler is fucking 10 times better than Poirier because he finished him, you know, infinitely quicker, but I, I do think it's an inter- interesting thing to look at. You know, we, we all know how flawed MMA math can be at times, but, you know, that's almost as direct of a comparison as you can get within, you know, a relatively short time frame. Um, so, yeah, good good for Michael Chandler representing America, the greatest fucking country on the planet greatest country in the universe i'll i'll say, i'll even say the universe because who knows i mean the universe is so big there might be some cool shit out there but i don't know man it might just be a bunch of fucking rocks and you know fucking freezing you know ice balls for all i know i mean so i i will go out on a limb and say america is the greatest country in the universe um although i i i, I will say i have not completely scouted uh the entire known universe now the greatest country in the multiverse i'm gonna say no I'm going to say no, because I mean, there just has to be some cooler shit out there in a a multiverse. But you know what I mean? I I, I think the universe, yes. And uh, now that we got through the two lightweight main event and co-main events, uh, I wanted to look at the lightweight division rankings here at North Star Sports. We had a lot of changes, okay? So at the top of the division, we had Dustin Poirier moving up a spot. He goes from number two to number one. That means Justin Gaethje falls down a spot. The only fighter in the entire top 15 of the lightweight division to not move was Charles Oliveira, Charlie Olives, at number 3. 4 through 15 all got bumped down a notch, okay? So Michael Chandler sits there at number 4, so he goes from unranked to number 4. Uh, 5 through 15 is now Ferguson McGregor Hooker RDA Felder Iaquinta Lee Ferreira or Fajeda uh, Gillespie Makachev and Dariush uh, so they all move down a spot and then number 15 Drew Dober drops down a spot and obviously we it's not a top 16 so he is unranked which kind of sucks he's on he's on a good three or four fight winning streak but you know listen it's a very deep division sorry buddy so Poirier at one, Gaethje at two, Chandler at four, McGregor at six, Dan Hooker at seven, the notables. Um, So yeah, no, that's that's a very good looking lightweight division. All right, moving on here to the featured bout. We had a unanimous decision victory for Joanne Calderwood over Jessica I. Got to be honest, didn't really watch this one too closely. Uh, Don't really care. It was not that good of a fight. Calderwood definitely won the fight, so uh, g- good for her. Uh, I-, I really liked her kicks up the middle. She really, uh, I don't know. See, I-, I think it's a push kick, but I- I'm probably getting the term wrong because, you know, if one motion is slightly different, it's a different move, so all you fucking nerds out there, don't have to correct me. I don't know what the fuck you call it, but uh, those push kicks, kicks up the middle, I liked it. Seems like she mixed up her strikes real well uh, at all three levels. And uh, Jessica I... I don't know. She kind of got pieced up. Kind of got pieced up. Uh, we take a look at the rankings in the women's flyweight division. Uh, we have... Know, let's see here. So we have Calderwood and I switching rankings. So I was at 6. Calderwood was at 8. We'll flip that. Calderwood is now at 6. And Jessica I is at 8. Uh, Amanda Hebas, which we'll get to later. But she leaves the flyweight division because she takes a fight at the strawweight division. So uh, that means 11 through 15 all get moved up a spot. Uh, so Talia Santos, Alexa Grasso, Jillian Robertson, and Andrea Lee are at 11, 12, 13, and 14. And then at 15, we pulled up uh, Antonina Shevchenko from the ranks of the unranked, uh, which I guess uh, doesn't really make sense, but uh, doesn't have to. Makes sense if you check this out at our website, which is why you should check out uh, northstarsports.media and uh, yeah I mean I don't know you know a lot of people were talking about Joanne Calderwood getting a title fight um, and then she got that lost Jennifer Maya what's the rush with getting Calderwood a title shot she's definitely not earned I went over this on the preview show definitely has not earned a a title shot title shot this win over Jessica I is her first semi respectable win in the UFC uh, the rest of her ufc career is just beating nobodies and then losing to halfway decent fighters so i don't really understand the rush bad loss for jessica i i have no idea where she goes from here uh definitely not a 135 fighter we saw how that turned out for her she was like one in five at, at, at bantamweight so she's in the correct weight class it's just i don't know he's got to start winning some fights there evil eye One of, the, one of the cringier fighters out there. That whole, uh, that whole uh, trying to get people to bark like uh, the dog pound. Although I'm sure she's happy about the Cleveland Browns. I think she's from Cleveland, so it's cool. Uh, moving on here on the main card, we had Mahmoud Muradov knocking out Andrew Sanchez uh, late in round three. Uh, I'm really fucking impressed by Muradov. Uh, you know, he's that Mayweather fighter. He's from... Uh, from uh, Uzbekistan. So, you know, you you got to respect that. And uh yeah. I, let's see. I I believe I have a shit ton of notes on this guy cuz I was so impressed by this guy. Uh yeah, throws he, he he's really good at managing range. So, that was one of the things I noticed early in the fight. I think it kind of faded as the fight went on, but he throws strikes at a range that you wouldn't really figure he would he would land. He's he's so good at just punching you and then not being there uh to be hit uh he he invests in in the body and the legs throws a variety of strikes uh i i like those wacky leg kicks he does again i don't know the fucking technical term for for him but you know like those jumping scissor kicks or whatever he does uh i i love those he has really good takedown defense as well uh which is which is important because he has great striking because he's got a powerful overhand right i mean you look at his record like he's what is he he's now 25 and 6 or something he's got and obviously a lot of these were outside of the UFC but you know most of his fights end in knockout and uh just kind of a uh, there's a degree of patience to him because uh two of his UFC wins are round 3 KOs so he's not a marauder he's not somebody who's going to blitz you and, uh, you know, whatever. He'll take his time if he has to. I mean, he had that unanimous decision victory over uh, Di uh, Chirico. Or Di Chirico. I can always stumble up on that one. Um, but yeah, I'm very impressed. I think that's that's somebody to to look out for. He had a lot of fights canceled against some interesting matchups like uh, Shoeface, Carl Roberson, Kevin Holland, and Jotko in the year of 2020. Uh, that some of the well Kevin Holland definitely would have been you know a little bit too much too soon but I would have loved to have seen him and you know maybe his next fight I'd love to see him against a Jotko or a Roberson or a junior these guys probably sitting you know at 15 to 25 in in the division uh because I man I I think really highly of uh of Muradov I'd love to see him uh you know 14 fight winning streak I don't know man I, I would love to see what this guy does in the UFC and then for Sanchez you know, tough, kind of got caught, not that great of a striker. His striking has improved, obviously got that, uh, that, that, uh, wrestling background, but, uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know what to make of Andrew Sanchez. All right, moving on here to the main card opener. We had a round two TKO from Marina Rodriguez, Marina Rodriguez over Amanda Hibas, um, yeah, fuck. <laughs> I was very certain Amanda Ibos was going to win this fight. Unfortunate for her, essentially got TKO'd twice. Um, she did not get knocked out twice. She got TKO'd twice. Really weird circumstance. Um, yeah, Herb, you can't touch fighters. Like, yeah, uh, that, that's just a weird situation. I, I think the 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 best scenario happened. I mean, that would be some shit if Rodriguez went back you know, after she thought the fight was over and then he recovered and then goes on to submit her in the third round or, you know, something like that. So at least, you know, it was a it was a shitty situation, but, you know, it, it, at least the correct fighter won. Um, yeah, I don't know. he has to work on a striking man. She was throwing some winging, winging strikes, throwing like she was in quicksand. And, you know, the, she is facing a very high-level striker. I will say that about Rodriguez. Th- these... That's kind of the thing when I look at both of these fighters, even you know, in, in the win and the lost for, for for them respectively. Rodriguez needs to get better on the ground, and Hebus needs to get better striking. They should fucking train with each other because they could learn a lot from each other. I mean, Hebus is is one of the best ground fighters in, in, in any of the female divisions. Rodriguez is one of the best strikers in any of the female divisions, but you know he is striking Oh man it's a deficiency it has to improve i'm not saying it's terrible i'm not trying to overreact to a loss but it does need to improve and rodriguez has been put on her ass in you know her last like three or four fights uh and you know it, what is it she had that weird draw um you know i i thought she beat carla esparza that was a split decision loss i i think she probably should have won that 29 28 but uh And she survives on the ground, so it's not like she gets choked out. It's just, ah, you know, you're going to end up losing decisions and stuff like that. And even Hebus took her down. So, you know, and you don't want to, you know, if you get taken down by Carla Esparza, you're completely fine. But if you get taken down by Hebus, it's a real possibility you get choked out. Obviously, that's not what happened. But that's something she's going to have to fix as she climbs this division. I I think she's a, a, a real threat. Um, there's not a lot of like great strikers at straw weight. Um, so I, I think that really that really separates her from the pack. Uh, one of the things that I was noticing about Rodriguez is man, just such a good striker and she was she was landing uh, punches at the end of at the end of the punch, like with full extension, which is so important. That's how you land your best strikes. She's really, really quick. She has quick hands, but like I said, the, the takedown and imp- takedown defense needs to improve. So, like like I said, I don't know. She can hold her own on the ground, but she gets taken down a lot. So honestly, I, I, I think I think best case scenario for her is that she turns into the female equivalent of of Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. You know, just an elite striker and good enough takedown defense to ensure that you can stand on your feet and implement your strength i i I think her takedown defense is real bad because i mean yeah like i said she can survive on the ground it's just she gets taken down so often so just really working on that i think that would actually make her probably a championship contender and and or a champion honestly like you look at some of the fighters at the top of that division like a Li zhong or uh yoana um you know, I, I'm not saying necessarily I'd favor her against those fighters, even if she made the adjustments, but it, it's just you know, I don't know her striking's really fucking good, so if you can just keep it on the feet, I don't know she's got a puncher's chance against any of them, more than a puncher's chance against any of them uh, and and then for Hebas, yeah, tough loss uh, we'll take a look here at the straw weight rankings um, so we had um, Marina Rodriguez moving up from 9 to 6 so this strawweight division is really gross. There's a lot of dead weight, a lot of fighters who just win one and then lose one., Real, really? Well, not after uh, Saturday because obviously Rodriguez is at six. But seven through Seven through 15 is just gross. It's just fighters who can't make up their mind on whether or not they want to be good or, or not. You know, it's like the Nina Ansarov's, the Michelle Wattersons, the Tisha Torres's, the Claudia Gedalias, the Angela Hills. Ugh, just you know. I don't know what to make I don't know what to make of that. You know, I know what to make of the fighters at the top. Like Suarez, awesome. Yoana you know, legend. Uh Carla Esparza at four. Ugh, okay. But, you know, Yan Xiao Nan at five. I mean, wow, that's a real wild card. But uh I think Rodriguez has kind of separated herself here. Uh, So we moved Ansarov, Watterson, and Gedalia each down a spot. They're at 7, 8, and 9. Hibas comes in at 10. So she was the number 11 flyweight, but even though she lost, she's the number 10 strawweight because the strawweight division uh, is garbage. And then Dern, Torres, Hill, Jandaroba, and uh, Hinata Souza all moved down a spot to occupy uh, 11 through 15 and then kanako murata who was uh the 15 is now unranked which is fair i mean she just had one win in the ufc uh and and she was in the rankings so like i said um you know not uh not very deep not very deep not a lot of fighters move up to straw weight you know what i mean there's no atom weight in the uh in, in in the ufc so you know the flyweight is almost exclusively built from, you know, strawweight rejects who just wanted, uh, you know, not cut as much weight. Uh, not a lot of people going from 125 down. Um, oh, we also had some changing in the in, in the pound for pound rankings. So with Poirier's win, he goes from 15 to 11. Gaethje and Covington go from uh, 11 and 12 respectively to 12 and 13. Uh, Conor McGregor was at 13. He goes to unranked. Whitaker stays put at 14, and then, you know, we had an open spot at 15, so uh, we moved uh, Max Holloway back into the pound-for-pound rankings. Um, Let's see here. Moving on to the prelim headliner. Uh, We had a unanimous decision win for Armand Sarukian over Matt Frivola. Uh, I love Armand Sarukian. I've loved him since day one. I think this guy's a future champion this is the number one blue-chip prospect in all of the UFC. Um, I, I, and I love a lot of prospects. I love a lot of guys in the rankings. But if I had to pick one fighter, one fighter to ride or die with who is not currently in the top 15 of any division uh, and, and try to project them to become a champ or, or you know, just a, gr- a, a great, not even a champ, but a great champion, Armand Sarukian. I think this guy is the real fucking deal. Ever since I saw his fight with Islam Makachev in his debut, in his debut at, like, 22 years old, I've been infatuated with this guy. Now he's on a three-fight winning streak, beat some tough guys. Uh, Oban Mercier, Davi Hamosh, Matt Frivola. Uh, you know what I mean? That's probably the weakest of the of the three. But, you know, I think there's probably something big on the horizon for Sarukian. I don't, I don't think at this point he's going to get somebody in the rankings, but I, I do think he'll get... Um, again, that kind of weird fifteen to twenty five spot where he'll get a, a respected veteran, you know, someone that he that he can, uh, you know, build build his name on a little bit. Maybe like a like a Jim Miller. I'd love to see him against a Jim Miller. Let's throw him in there against a UFC vet, uh, a, a guy who he can't make, uh, you know, too many mistakes against. I I just love Suruki, and I think he's the complete fighter as well. I think his striking is is good. His wrestling is really really good, uh, and uh, yeah, he, he he chains his moves together, and th- he has a relentless motor. And you really saw that in this Revol.a fight. I mean, with the takedowns and the attempts for the takedowns, and uh, oh shit, what do you what do you call it when they when they're on their knees and they try to stand up and then you take them back down? put-downs or whatever. I mean, his his motor is just ridiculous and, and the kid's only 24 so, man, like so many great UFC fighters were not even dude, they were just beginning their regional fucking career at 24 so it's like, man, I'm very impressed with Armand Sarukian Alright, moving on, we had a unanimous decision victory for Brad Tavares over Antonio Carlos Jr. Um I didn't watch this one very closely. Uh good for Brett, Brett Tavares. I I figured he would win. Again, kind of a gatekeeper guy. You know who he's going to win. If he takes on anybody who's ranked ahead of him, he's going to lose. If he takes on anybody ranked below him, he'll win. If he's not in the rankings, he'll win until he gets into the rankings and then once he's in the rankings, he'll make sure he'll lose to to exit the rankings. Um I don't, I don't know. The, the the best you can hope for Bajavar is is he just has a, a Michael Bisping like late career resurgence, or he just you know figures some shit out. I I wouldn't hold my breath that he figures some shit out, but uh, you know solid win, solid win. Uh, you know he's one of those guys, and 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 you've seen this during his time in the UFC, and I I honestly I think you'll see it until he's 40 years old. Uh, this is a guy who has been with the UFC since. January of 2010 he has been in the UFC for 11 years and he's 33 years old just a dependable guy he'll take a fight against anybody Um, I don't know I would say his job security is pretty fucking safe during this pandemic and and, you know roster cut that the UFC is allegedly going to go through Um, so good for uh, Brad Tavares apparently he was a star uh, linebacker in high school so that is uh, an interesting note All right, moving on. Uh, We had a round three submission by Juliana Pena over Sarah McMahon. Didn't really watch this fight too closely either. Pretty boring. Uh, Looks like Sarah McMahon was winning uh, the fight, winning round one, winning round two from what I could see, and then Pena choked her out. Good for her. I mean, you choked out a fucking silver medalist in wrestling, so, you know, not a silver medalist in fucking curling so that's that's a feather in your cap although mcmahon is 40 years old uh that was the outcome that needed to happen i mean this division is just the most barren division in the ufc uh they they need someone to emerge i wouldn't say pena has emerged you know what i mean but hey at least she's trending in the right direction with the rankings I do not want to see her fight Amanda Nunez. She would get knocked out in 35 seconds. I don't want to see Amanda Nunez fight Megan Anderson. Megan Anderson will get knocked out in 30 seconds as well. But, uh, yeah, if Payne can get another win over a top-five opponent, then, you know, she probably fights fights for the title. I, I think it would go terribly for her, but, uh, you know, good for her. Uh, you know, we need youth, and she is 31, but we need youth in, in the 135 division. I mean, Ugh, that division is just so stagnant and ugh, Amanda, Amanda Nunez like I said on the previous show has just destroyed that division, you know, it's just not fun in the slightest and good for her I mean, I honestly I give that as a compliment I don't say that in a bad way, I mean she's such a dominant uh, legendary female fighter that she's destroyed the division, kind of like John Jones destroyed the light heavyweight division but it is a reality that Amanda Nunez has made that division boring with her dominance um you know, not that I'm... I'm not telling her to take a dive. You know what I mean? You know, keep winning as much as you can. But that it, it is a weird, weird division. Uh, moving on, we had a complete fucking robbery uh, as Marcin Prochneo wins a unanimous decision fight over Khalil Roundtree. Uh, I'll have to go to the handy-dandy MMA decision. Uh, MMA decision, please... Uh, Please give me a sponsorship. I would appreciate that greatly. I love your website, for that matter. Tapology, please sponsor the show. I'm, I, it wouldn't even have to take that. I don't know, like three dollars, three dollars. Uh, I, I don't need a lot of money. I just, it would be a, a more of an honor thing. Uh, okay. Apparently, the media is fucking stupid as shit as well, which is why you shouldn't trust the journalists. Uh, coming from a journalist. The majority of the media scores had Pratchnio winning the fight. Holy shit. Wow, that is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. That's really impressive. That's really fucking dumb. So, Marcin Pratchnio. There's probably 20 media scores. 15 of them have Pratchnio winning 29-28. That's... I disagree. I, th- I thought Roundtree probably won that fight 30-27. Now, maybe 29-28 because uh, Pratchniel made that third round clo uh close but uh yeah that's that's wild I, I thought roundtree won that 30 27 I mean it-, it wasn't close I thought that was that was no well, I'm not gonna say the best we've we've ever seen roundtree because he's had some very impressive like <laughs> you know first round knockouts in the UFC but that was that was a very impressive version of roundtree it was he was patient probably a little too patient he had Pratchnio legitimately hurt uh in that fight uh you know to to the point where you know if he would have pressed the pace a little bit you know he probably could have finished him in, in in the second round but dude I have no I have no idea what they saw in that fight all of the go through that fight and look at look at who was getting tagged and look at who was getting wobbled it was not Khalil Roundtree. It was Marcin Pratchnio. That's wild, and that's not to say that Pratchnio didn't didn't fight hard and didn't you know make it competitive, but it wasn't close. You know, there's a difference between competitive and close. You know, competitive just means it wasn't a complete fucking you know gang initiation, you know, ass whooping. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what competitive means. But close? Yeah, not really. So I feel really bad for for Roundtree. You know, now he's on a two-fight losing streak. He's lost three of his last four. You know, this guy never gets an easy fight in the division. This was his easy fight because Prachnyel was 0-3 in the UFC, got knocked out in the first round in each of those three fights. Um, Yeah, shit, man. I I just feel so bad for a guy like Roundtree. All I can say is, you know, and I I hate to, I hate to say it because it's not fair. You should get good judging. You should get get good judging. Um, You know, it's not fair. But life's not fair. Khalil Roundtree needed to finish that fight when he had him hurt. You cannot leave the fight in the hands of the judges. We do not have competent judging all the time. Sometimes we do, but it's not a given. It's not a given. We live in a world where judges will fuck up uh, decisions. They will fuck up your career. Uh, and that's that's what happened. This puts him on a completely different trajectory. You never know uh, what would have happened if he won. Now, again, he could still... You know, if he goes on a 10-fight winning streak, then good for him. That'd be, I'd love to see that, but it's just, you know, man, you just cannot leave it in the hands of the judges. You have to separate your opponent from consciousness, whether or not you choke him out or knock him out. You just he can never feel safe. Never can feel safe if it goes to, the, to a decision. I, I was trying to tell that to um, the locomotive. I forget. It was a recent fight card we were watching which one I feel like it was two Saturdays ago and I forget which fight it was but, but you know he's talking about how man that that fighter definitely won that fight and I was just saying yeah I mean not really man not really I mean you never you never know if it's in the hands of the judges it's in the hands of an incompetent toddler you know what I mean you're 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 placing a faberge egg in the hands of you know a, a toddler so Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, Moving on, we had a split decision win for Movsar Evloev over Nick Lentz. Um, I like Evloev. Solid wrestler. As we have my alarm going off there. Uh, Solid wrestler. I think that guy is going to be a legitimate problem at 145 or 155. This was obviously at a catch weight of 150. Um, Looks like he has a little bit of trouble uh, making weight. Uh, I would imagine the cut down to 145 is uh, not fun, but uh, I don't think it was a split decision. I, th- I just think it was a unanimous decision for uh, Evloev. And then on the prelim opener, uh, Amir AlBazi gets a unanimous decision win over Jalgas uh, Jumagulov. Uh, that was a good fight. I was pretty impressed by Elbazi. Uh, he moves up in the rankings again. flyweight is super thin. Uh, He, after two wins in the UFC, he is at 14. He's at 14, Uh, so uh, good for him. Uh, I I was impressed with his performance. Um, Could have swore I had notes on him, but I I guess not. But uh, his striking is very good. I think he will be a problem uh, for uh, some fighters in that division. And, you know, again, given how how thin that division is, I, I do think... I do think he'll be, he'll, he'll be like an Askar Askarov where nobody knows who the fuck this guy is, but, you know, you'll just look up the rankings one day, you know, 18 months later, and he'll be in the top five. You know what I mean? Just uh, I feel pretty confident that Albazi is, uh, is is going to climb those rankings. If they, I mean, they put him against anybody ahead of him. I, I think it'll be a, a fun fight. So, with that, we have reached the end of our recap here of UFC 257 Poirier versus McGregor. So, uh, with that, you could follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely Northstar Sports on Twitter at Northstar MIN. Got to check out our website at Northstarsports.media. Have all the updated rankings, all the all the information you possibly could want to know about the greatest game of all time. Uh, the main card showdown. So with that, thanks for tuning in, everybody.